0: and headcanons where we're nerdy and you probably are too i'm tegan and i'm here today with lindsey and we're here to talk to you about the matrix resurrections we've both now seen this movie um i actually you know highly encourage lindsey to see it and so now we're here to talk about it because i feel like this is a very very important movie to see and to talk about no matter who you are where you stand what have you um of course, as always, we're going to be talking specifics about the movie in this in this episode. So, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want any spoilers, now's your chance to back out now because we <laughs> we're, we're going to be talking about specifics. So, Right. This Here's is the
1: 2021 tr- movie, not the, the three from, you yes. know, 20 years ago.
0: Although we will probably, yeah, although we will probably may be making some references here and there <laughs> to the original trilogy, this is mainly focused on The Matrix Resurrections, the 2021 movie. So here we go. <laughs> um, this was a movie that, now I I enjoyed the original trilogy of The Matrix, so I was excited to see what was going to happen in this new movie. And so I I actually kind of um, delayed seeing it at first because I was like, uh, I, I was just afraid that I I would be disappointed by it. Even even with Lana at the helm, like, you know, there, there's still this, you know, anticipation where it's like, but what if this isn't, you know, quite what I think it's going to be? What if I'm disappointed right. by it, you know? But I finally buckled down. And saw it, and I regret not seeing it earlier because uh, it, it was just very, very important and impactful for me. Um, mm-hmm. And just well, and I'm the movie also enjoyed. like really
1: glad that Lana did it because mm-hmm. had it been anybody else, you know, we've seen so many other directors, other um, creative teams take over on things, and it's been kind of uh, not a disappointment, but you know, it, it's a different vision, and yeah. it was nice to have the same um, kind of vision in it. And if I'm not mistaken. Um, the other person who was uh, involved in the beginning of them was actually part of it until like October mm-hmm. of last year because um, there was some family stuff going on. So yeah, um, it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm never returning to the Matrix. It was, yeah, it was um, just personal
0: reasons. Yeah, yeah. So uh, absolutely, like, you know, having the original people at the helm really, really helps. Because um, like you said, you know, even when somebody else takes up the helm, even if they like the originals you know they can sometimes just have a different vision that doesn't always necessarily mm-hmm. mesh with what it was meant to be and this was something that i think they they kind of addressed like any kind of meta way um in the movie itself um which i i, I found really intriguing how they how they set up this whole sequel and it didn't feel like it was too forced or too like contrived in some way like it you know, it seemed like it made sense in the context of the universe. So just as a quick recap, um, the movie starts out with um, well, Neo is, you know, living as Thomas Anderson, and he's a game designer who has, you know, designed this game called The Matrix. So The Matrix is in the movie, but it's as a video game and it's something that this Thomas Anderson has come up with. Um, And So it's been some time and now the studio, they want a sequel. And so I love how they kind of went about, you know, kind of addressing the meta of, you know, all these remakes and reboots that are going on and the processes behind them and like (laughs) the brainstorming and everything like they were doing all these scenes talking about, well, what is really the Matrix and what do people really identify with? And, you know, what do we want to emphasize? And, you know, there were all these creative minds who, you know, some of them did like the Matrix and then there was one guy who came in and was like, you know, I don't really like the Matrix at all. You know, I just want to do something flashy and fun, you know, so it, it it really felt like it addressed the, you know, the concept of a lot of remakes and reboots that are going on right now of franchises that maybe you know should s- just stay where they are because you know you're you're taking it way too far from where they were and you're not really connecting to the audience that the originals connected with if that makes any sense.
1: Uh yeah, I so like what I thought was really cool about that commentary of, of like the game design and stuff too was you know we even you and I spend a lot of time trying to discern what the uh, you know what the what the point was mm-hmm. and they really like came came down hard on what the point of the game was what the point of um living what what the point of reality is mm-hmm. in throughout the movie and so it was really cool to like uh hear the the social commentary um even when it is like tragically true yeah um <laughs> because there's there was so many little like halfway through the movie I started writing down quotes because I was like oh geez louise because there was so much stuff in there that Mm -hmm. was just good stuff oh yeah that um made me really think about like how content we are um with our lives and that kind of stuff too so you know Mm -hmm. and it's funny i'm i tend to kind of not look down but be um let me reverse a little so I've been involved in a couple of like multi-level marketing, uh, things where, you know, it's all about, it's not really about selling the product. It's about selling yourself. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of books out there about being, uh, being an entrepreneur, being a leader, being, a someone that people want to follow, uh, being somebody who people want to, um, Uh, look up to. And therefore, you know, if they look up to you or they like you or they are interested in you, they will uh, buy your product. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, there's even moments where it's like you put in 80, 20 percent of this and you get 80 percent back or you put in 80 percent of this and you get 20 percent of this or whatever. Like there's these ratios and stuff where they talk about you need to do 20 percent personal life on your business page because people want to know about you. They don't want to only know about the product and if it's Mm -hmm. all product or if it's all personal, they don't, uh, you know, they don't, they don't combine, uh, perfectly. So it was kind of cool to, to see that like, um, sort of addressed in, in a backwards way, uh, Mm -hmm. because there was so much of like, what are you actually here for and what are you actually doing?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Um, there was, I, I really did feel that, especially like when he goes to his therapist and, you know he's trying to like you know untangle and unknot all of these things, and you know his therapist gives him a prescription, which was of course the blue pill, um, uh-huh. the ubiquitous. Had it blue been pill. anything
1: else, I would have been so disappointed. Yes, I was sitting there, yes. I was watching and I was like, these pills better be blue. They better be
0: big yes. old blue pills. Yes, and they
1: were, and I was like, yes. Okay, yes, fair enough. so
0: they're they're the kind of pills that you know originally you know in the trilogy were supposed to keep you in the matrix when you're happy, mm-hmm. but you know we see him going through the motions of you know days and days and days, and you know you really feel that that grind, that rat race, that you know that you know if if you've worked in you know in industries like this or even industries not like this, you, you know it you just feel like sometimes you just get up every day and it's just like the same thing all the time, every single day. And it's like, what is the point of this? You know, what, what are you actually getting out of this now? You know, you're just living to work. You're not just living, you know? So it it was, you know, again, like another little clever commentary on, you know, how this is just, you know, not healthy for humans to have to essentially just work to live, but you're only living to work.
1: And the coolest part about that commentary too was that Thomas Anderson was well off. He mm-hmm. was doing well for himself. Yeah. Um. When he is introduced to Tiffany, he um, it, uh, whatever Jude introduces him, mm-hmm. he he says like, like this very famous guy, and Tiffany's like uh, never heard of you, but okay. <laughs> um, and it's it's very like um, you know, like he should be living this fulfilled life. They yeah. they really created um he created something amazing in, you know, version two of the matrix where they, or maybe it's a version five. I don't know um, where he's well off. He's doing well for himself. He could be very happy, but he is like still the same old Neo because he doesn't have Trinity in his life. And so I, and it's really cool that like when he meets Tiffany there, there's a moment where I had to pause the movie and I was like, I just loved how awkward he was when he was sitting across from her when they actually talked after she had actually um, started to look into the Matrix games and that she had seen how um, similar, how similar she looked to the main character. Mm -hmm. But then we also have to like talk about how she doesn't look like the main character to everyone else. Which yes. is why her husband laughed when she said it yes. to him because he was like, no, ha, and laughed. Because in the reflection on the coffee table, she's a blonde. And I kept noticing this, too, during the movie. Mm-hmm. And Jason wasn't. So I was, like, getting really irritated with him because I was like, well, what am I am I the one making this up? Because <laughs> that's definitely her on the phone in the in the coffee table. And she's blonde. And then the first time I saw... Um, Thomas Anderson's reflection I was like wait what Uh, that that wasn't that wasn't Keanu's reflection
0: yeah and then even when um, when our main little character from the Matrix when I can't remember her name off the top of my head but when she first yeah when Bugs first sees Neo she actually doesn't see Neo as Neo originally she sees a completely different character or a completely different face but the way he looks at her she knows who it is and he connects mm-hmm. with something in her, and so with that, she's able to break out. It's a very clever commentary, I think, on trans identity and, you know, what you see and what is reflected and what you know to be true to yourself. Um, I mean, really, the whole, all of the movies are a trans commentary, but the trilogy, especially um, the original trilogy, was a lot more subtle, mainly because, uh, you know, i oh, 18 years older. <laughs> well, not only that, but, you know, back in the 90s, it was it, it was not possible to put out a trans sci fi movie mm-hmm. trilogy like it. Executives were not going to green light that. So they were a lot more subtle with it, with including elements like uh, the character Switch, who originally Switch was supposed to be a man like in the real world. But then in the Matrix, uh, Switch is a woman um, mm-hmm. And so, but again, executives kind of nixed that, and so they made switch very androgynous to kind of honor the idea of, you know, switching between and you know what is real and what is not real. Um, For sure.
1: Yeah, that one. That one would have been right on the nose with the yeah, too.
0: yeah. It it <laughs> probably maybe would have made it harder to deny the trans allegory. Not impossible, mm-hmm. but harder. Because, um, you know, there are yeah. some people who are just going to deny it to their dying day, even though the directors have come out and said, yes, it is, you know, and, an, an, you know, an allegory for the trans experience. Still, you know, they're not going to accept that because, you know, but so
1: let's talk real quickly then about the Wachowskis. Um, yes. So because I actually even looked them up on the Internet and couldn't find anything with. The, and to be fair, it was a cursory glance because I kind of wanted to just confirm what I already thought. But mm-hmm. um you can't even find their dead names anywhere
0: and that's good that that's awesome that's yeah that's perfect. wonderful work of the internet um so yeah the the Wachowski, the wakowskis obviously when they first made the trilogy um neither of them had transitioned um i believe one of them did in 2012 the other in 2016 i think it was lana first and then lily i i hope i'm not mixing that up But, you know, they they didn't transition and come out um, publicly until after the trilogy was finished. But these things and these themes were still very present in their telling of the Matrix and Mm -hmm. in their concepts that they wanted to share. So much so that when Neo is offered the red pill versus the blue pill in the original trilogy, uh, many trans women in the 90s or people taking, you know, uh, hormone replacement therapy recognized that, you know, estrogen used to be packaged and sold as a red pill. So, again, it's a very subtle thing, and it's something that if you did not have experience with trans people or if you weren't trans yourselves, especially like in that certain period of time, you wouldn't even pick up on that. But, you know, it's like if you know, you know. But if you don't know, Mm -hmm. you'd probably gloss over it completely. But in Resurrections, they take a chance to actually, you know, pull that trans allegory from the subtext and make it more text itself where you know you get moments like again you know you have the blue and the red pill but you also you know get this whole um thing where you know neo sees himself as himself he sees trinity as trinity but both neo and trinity don't look like they do to each other like so you know it's like pre-transition you don't look like how you know you are supposed to look in, you know, in your mind, in your heart. You know you're not supposed to look like this. You're supposed to look like something else. So it's like this, this um, dissonance between what you see and what you feel. And in taking that red pill, you're able to transition from the matrix, from this false reality and into reality where you can see that, yes, this is real and I am real. What I was seeing and what I was feeling is real. So You know it's it's just kind of really cool how they you know worked that into a little bit more of an obvious text rather than leaving it in the subtext like they had to do in the trilogy
1: well and what i loved too then was that uh lana kind of created created this as like a like a love letter to herself to her sister um it's just really kind of neat to to know that little bit in the background about it yeah um, I and that's sort of one came of came things... into seeing the movie sorry so I saw I kind of came into seeing the movie as just um so th- you told me to mm-hmm. kind of like look for these things because I wanted to make sure I was paying attention yeah and so I did that um and then I had to admit to myself that I don't really remember the original trilogy very well um I, honestly, I, if I could remember what I ate on Monday morning at, you know, for breakfast, it's impressive because my memory is that good. So 18 years ago, watching a movie um, where I was, you know, probably working 500 jobs and sleeping four hours a day it would have been impressive. So I, mm-hmm. I don't remember watching the last movie. So when, you know, we find out Resurrections is coming out, and even Keanu, when he got the call from Lana, was like, But we're dead. (laughs) So how can we have another movie if we're we're dead? Um, And it is really cool to me that um, I went in with the idea of what I wanted to be looking for so that I could Mm -hmm. see it. But then also having this idea that I could see it without rewatching the original trilogy. Yeah. And kind of not muck up or change my own feelings about it based off of how much I did or didn't love the, the original trilogy. And I know that I saw the first one. Like, I know mm-hmm. I know that I saw the first one more than once. So I understood concepts and things. I didn't exactly remember sentience and uh, that stuff. But um, I had a basic idea of mm-hmm. what I was looking for, and it made me really excited to, to see those things, but to also kind of, like, I'm really naive when it comes to a lot of um, social commentary uh, from that perspective, right, because I'm, I'm a cis white female. V- So
0: So it's it's not something that you would pick up naturally without it being pointed out, which is which is fine. Like, you know, this this is, you know, which
1: is why it was great to be looking for it. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, I want to I want to be paying attention. And so Mm -hmm. it was really nice to be able to be
0: paying attention yeah and that's one of the things um, to, I do to
1: have a movie that made me pay attention
0: <laughs> yeah because this that's one of the things that I think is key to resurrections is that you know even if it has been you know years and years since you've watched the original trilogy um you know it, it's been a while for me too it's probably been several years at least since i rewatched them um but even so like I like I remember a lot more than you obviously but still like you know it has been some time but they <laughs> kind of bring back and address and reference a lot of different things and they you know they tie up those loose ends like you know well what happened to neo and trinity then like you know what how are they alive when they died in the original and you know what you know what what happened and why you know like so so in other words like you know what is the point of this movie and you know otherwise then you know it could you know, without this context, you know it could be considered like a cash grab. But you know, with this added context and the you know explanations and everything, it's like, okay, yeah, that that does make sense in you know the context of this world, how they came back, and why the Matrix is still going. And uh, you mentioned the sentience, um, which was something that actually wasn't present in the original trilogy. And this is where I think the that Resurrections kind of builds on that original trilogy because. It kind of you know plays off of this idea where you know it kind of makes you question um, very strict black and white binaries of you know good and bad and you know good versus evil and that kind of thing because before you know machines programs things like that they were seen as pretty much wholly you know bad in some way um, if not outright aggressive towards the main characters. Um, but now you see that there are machines and there are synthients, there are programs that are actually, you know, quite happily living and functioning outside of the matrix and are, you know, they're, they're happy to be, you know, working alongside humanity and, you know, just furthering them and, you know, just working, all working together. It, it was a really nice way to kind of, you know, integrate the idea that, you know, the world is not black and white and you know there are shades of gray that you know maybe should be focused a little bit more on i know you know especially in the society that we live in you know expressing a view or two can get you just completely ignored or put into a camp that maybe you don't even identify with but it's it's like an us versus them mentality for everything And it's like, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can be more and we can do more, but we have to recognize that there, on certain things at least, that there are some shades of gray that we, you know, need to contemplate and come to terms with. So that I think was a really interesting addition and something that I was initially like a little hesitant about just because of how machines were portrayed in the original trilogy, but you know as it unfolded and as things you know as the story went on I kind of accepted it like okay this this makes more sense this does make sense and I am happy that they included that in the movie
1: well I got the impression that neo knew that the bots were bad news though so it well, was because it of a, his preconceived notions for him back then or well yeah
0: because of his preconceived notions of you know machines of programs and things like that obviously he was pretty hesitant to you know, accept them at at first, but then when it's explained, oh, you know, we've we've been working alongside them, you know, and then when, when they go to Io and they get he gets to see what human what the humans and the machines have built together, it's like, you know, it's an even better future for humanity than he could have even realized at the time that he made his sacrifice.
1: Okay. Cool. Oh yeah, and it was because of him that they decided to join, right? Yeah. Right,
0: to yeah. help Io? Yeah, it's, it's all like a, like a chain effect, like, like a butterfly effect. Like, you know, his, what his actions and what he did, you know, inspired others like Bugs and like the Morpheus program to break free of that. Uh, and a really interesting callback that I, okay, that so I really, what else? um, well, a really interesting callback that I love that they kept is, um, Agent Smith insistence on calling him Mr. Anderson, um this was really cool now going i'm going to again go back to the original trilogy for just just one second i promise um agent smith's character never once refers to neo as neo he's always mr anderson um which is kind of a clever play on you know dead naming because he never recognizes him as neo he's always mr anderson to to agent smith And in the first movie, when they're having that fight in the way and Neo, like, is kind of trying to gather himself, he keeps, you know, Smith keeps calling him Mr. Anderson, and he finally stands up and says, my name is Neo. And he finally, like, comes to that, you know, realization in himself that, you know, this is who I am. I'm not this Mr. Anderson. I'm Neo. And, you know, I'm confident in that. And in finding confidence in his identity he's able to fight back against agent Smith and is able to prevail against him in that way. So that again, a subtle kind of nod to the trans experience, but also very important in, you know, in the concept of dead naming and then, you know, claiming your own name for yourself.
1: Okay. I can see that. Um, I wanted to talk about Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. Uh, yes, whatever yes. her other last name is now. I think she's got a different last name. Um, pinkett smith hyphen something um it was really cool to see her again uh yeah
0: yeah i do like that they did bring back you know certain characters that were in the original obviously you know they brought back uh keanu reeves and carrie ann moss but you know even like you know bringing her back was a really i think solid nod to you know just the original trilogy, but also to the passage of time. Um, they obviously didn't bring back Lawrence Fishburne, which is sad. But you know, they they still had his character, as, his original Morpheus, as present in Io. You know, they had you know like a like a statue built in his honor. You know, because of everything that he did and everything that he fought for. Um, so I, I I do appreciate that they you know the links to which the Wachowskis you know, brought back some of the original and yet still expanded and, you know, added on characters that we can identify with and love even outside of the originals.
1: Yeah, I, I actually like really loved Bugs. I loved mm-hmm. that her hair was blue yes. when she was in the Matrix um, and uh, not quite, you know, like not as flashy and fun when mm-hmm. she wasn't. Um, yeah. But I loved the like mind warp that I was going through into in the beginning of the movie too like i mm-hmm. you know like the whole is is this the matrix or is this the real life or mm-hmm. which part what came first thomas anderson or neo uh, and it it was just a very like fun rabbit hole to to go down um I usually try to watch a lot of videos um on YouTube of like people breaking down the easter eggs in the movies and that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and I um strictly avoided it for this episode because I really didn't want to like cloud what I thought I saw or what Mm -hmm. I didn't see um and then I couldn't resist seeing Keanu Reeves be interviewed by Stephen Colbert so I watched that and um, he did the the Colbert questioner where he asks him 15 questions and he's supposed mm-hmm. to like really know him by then. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to just see, you know, all the things we already know about Keanu Reeves and how cool a person he really is. And yeah. how, I think we I'm pretty sure we've done an episode where we uh, yeah. did a, a <laughs> bio pic type thing on him where we talked about how much we love him. Um, but, you know, like that hasn't changed at all with this movie. Like I still mm-hmm. feel very much like I love him and I have been also myself trying to handle the fact that my hair is growing in this beautiful dark brown color with lots of uh, silvery unicorn hairs <laughs> and you know I also don't think Keanu Reeves is aging much at all but he does have the same hair color as me now <laughs> so that's exciting because or maybe I have the same hair color as him because I'm assuming he came first except he might be immortal Um <laughs> So it, it's just kind of cool to see uh, little little things that I wasn't, you know, excited to. Uh, I, I like his hair long and the same color as mine. But that's all, yeah. that's all I got. I I, do I, like I could that probably they, grow as good of facial hair as he does, too, if I if I, you know, <laughs> would try.
0: I I do like that, you know, they included, you know, gray hair in both the real world and the Matrix, because, you know, it's just a natural, you know, acknowledgement of yes, we age, yes, that's okay you know, we, it, it's so hard sometimes to see representation of older folks in um, in media, like, like an accurate representation because it seems like everybody's either in their 20s or like in their 70s, you know, it, it mm-hmm. seems like you don't really see a whole lot of characters that are, or you know, actors that are properly represented in middle-aged who are graying and but still feel youthful, even though, you know, you're getting those crow's feet and those little wrinkles and those gray hairs and everything like that. So it's, it's, it's very nice to see that, um, you know, represented and, you know, just in, in the movie, just as it is, because that is reality. That is the real world, which is kind of part of the point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we all get to age. I, Mm -hmm. um, was super excited though, when they kind of touched on, uh, Neo aging a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm and um that it was actually 60 years not 18 years like mm-hmm. you know I, I i assumed it was going to be yeah. um but even with his head shaved a little bit there was there's was, uh, more gray in there than you would have maybe expected so i was yeah i don't know i, I just <laughs> i loved that part I, I the fact that niobe uh aged up so much um kind of drove that one home for me although mm-hmm. they sort of talked about it but didn't really say much more than that it took 60 years to find him because Mm -hmm. the code read the way it read um and honestly i don't even know if bugs was going to know that it was neo without um him having planted the morpheus modal so Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and that's you know ironically just the one thing that he did that was uh, honestly kind of random you know that enabled bugs to find him so You know, it's just kind of cool that, you know, he, even though he's, you know, been brainwashed by the Matrix to believe that, you know, the Matrix, that that story that he created um, or that he experienced was actually just, you know, a figment of his imagination. It was just, you know, the game that he created that he worked on. Like, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not actually real, you know, even though he obviously has, you know, all of these signs of PTSD that he's going through, you know, it's they never touch on whatever the matrix said was his um like traumatic experience other than like he maybe bought into that you know the matrix was real thing when he was making it um which i thought was a really clever way of you know including that gaslighting that the matrix Mm -hmm. was trying to do to him it was a break with reality
1: yeah he wasn't really sure what was real and what wasn't and yeah when, so let's go back and talk about the analyst then, because yes. there is a point when he is talking to Tiffany or Trinity or whatever we want to call her. And at the time, um, he says to her something like, oh, I have my analyst to take care of. Things yeah. Like that. And then we actually find out later that we don't actually get a name for him. He is the yeah, analyst. He's
0: just the <laughs> analyst. It, it's it was a really clever play on words. So it's it just and again, like an interesting way of how they've, you know, reinserted everything you know, back into the matrix and now they're trying. Neil Patrick Harris was such a fun, like, Oh my gosh. He was great. (laughs) He was so great. Like, although from the start, like I'm, I was automatically kind of suspicious of him. Um, Uh like, like there's, it just feels like there's something off. I I don't know. Maybe it's a general distrust. I have, but I was just like, "I, I don't know about you. You just, you seem like you're trying to sell him on this idea of reality a little too much, you know? Uh, And then, you know, giving him the blue pills that, you know, in the original trilogy was supposed to keep you in the matrix. That just made me more sure that, you know, he's either unknowingly or a willful willful participant in keeping Neo in the matrix. And obviously that kind of feeling panned out when I was like, ha, like, I, I knew that there was something going on there. And it's like, you know, they had to keep Neo and Trinity close, but not too close and then you know obviously the point where they you know do kind of meet they they kind of start getting too close and so the analyst steps in to be like hey you know we got to stop this (laughs) you know we we, we're done here basically um which obviously spurs neo to find her even more
1: (laughs) well and so essentially this movie was really just a love story when it comes down to trinity and neo Mm -hmm. um and it was like really fun to to hear all of the the analysis quotes that Neil Patrick Harris's character, um, the analyst, was spewing off near the end there. That he had had such good productivity levels, mm-hmm. um, and that all he really needed to do was um, load up the idea of uh, the ever-lasting battles between the opposites, right? So, mm-hmm. good and bad, um, you know hope and despair he even says that uh hope and despair are uh, similar in code like -hmm. that they're nearly identical in code which made me so like i was losing my mind on all the quotes that i needed to write down at that point yeah um but it was fun when he talks about how we manipulate feelings and that it's like the the worse or the worse people are treated the more um energy they produce like Mm -hmm. um what was my favorite part when he said
0: which kind of you know vibes with the idea of stress you know being bad for you because it you know does all of these things to you and to your body and things like that so that kind of checks out in a way (laughs) Uh
1: what's the everlasting battle of like making sure that there's something you're fighting for Mm -hmm. so he said um the key to it all you and her quietly yearning for what you don't have while dreading losing what you do Mm -hmm. and that's like an underlying theme actually in a lot of uh, media i've been uh listening to and watching and reading lately Mm -hmm. there's even there's a book i was reading where it is about i don't think i finished it honestly which sucks because i'm gonna probably murder all things about it but the idea is that there is a perfect match out there for you and you have to subscribe to, to get tested for who your perfect match is and as long as your perfect match has also taken the test then um like genetically like your dna has the perfect match for you uh, Mm -hmm. encoded in it and so if you take the test and your perfect match is also taking the test you get the information if you sign up for that email Mm -hmm. and then you have the ability to meet that person but um the caveat then is you know depending on where you are in your life and that person is in their life you could possibly be getting married to somebody else who isn't your genetic perfect match you could be uh, that person could be dead or dying or have cancer and you could be mm-hmm. meeting them at the very end of their life. They could not necessarily be the same age as you mm-hmm. because, you know, your soul transcends that kind of, um, or, you know, your DNA transcends that kind of matching. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me that that is a, a big s- struggle, uh, mm-hmm. between what we wanting to have the perfect thing, but also, not wanting to give up what we have um just to, because of com- comfortability really
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's like the concept where they in wrestling there's this kind con- there's this um there are certain wrestlers who you know it's more fun to watch them chase the championship belt than it is to see them actually have the championship belt and be the champion like it, it's more fun to watch them struggle for it you know their matches and their promos are better when they're striving for it as opposed to when they're sitting with the championship so it's you know definitely this concept of you know trying to make life you know enough of a struggle to where you don't question the matrix into where you don't you know feel like you know oh this isn't real because everything's perfect you know like You know, or this isn't real because everything's bad. Like it's, it's this mix, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's like the, the machines are trying to figure out like, what is this perfect mix to where we can keep people in the matrix and, you know, they won't want to leave the matrix. So again, you know, it's, it makes them scared to even question because you're still striving towards this you know, this thing that you want, whether it's a degree or a job or, you know, maybe a house or something like that, like you keep wanting to strive for it. And so you don't really want to question anything else. Because if you start to question these things, then everything else starts to break down. And that goal that you're striving for, you know, maybe it's not really what you think it is. And that's a hard reality to face sometimes. So, you know, (laughs) I, I, I keep bringing it back to the, you know, the trans experience, but that's, that's really what it's like, you know, where, you know, at least as, as to my personal experience, you know, there's certain things that, you know, are kind of built in and encoded to the way I was raised to, you know, want certain things and to, you know, strive for certain things in my life where, but when I started to question all of these things, these goals actually changed for me. and. What I want, what I thought I wanted was not actually what I really wanted. And it's scary to let go of that idea. It's easier to just live in the complacency. And I think this is really well um, kind of reflected in at a moment towards the end where Neo, you know, confronts Trinity and he tells her the truth and he offers her the chance to go. And she's like, I wish you had, you know, found me a while ago because essentially she's thinking it's too late because and there's a there's a similar kind of feeling um with in the trans within the trans community it's not really accurate but it's, it's just this sort of feeling that it's like you have to figure everything out and you have to know everything and you have to you know have you know go on whatever hormones or have whatever surgeries you want to have like early in life and so like by the time you hit like mid-20s or older you know it's it's too late to transition it's too late because you're you're too entrenched in your old life and but then you know so she initially says no but then she looks back and she realizes that this you know she can't keep living this lie that the pain and the struggle of whatever she's going to go through to get to this real world to, you know, get to her real life it will be worth whatever pain is waiting for her living, continuing to live that lie, knowing that it's a lie. So, you know, again, <laughs> like we're, you know, it's taking it from the subtext and putting it a little bit more in the text and a little bit more recognizable, um, for people to see and to point out and to even recognize in themselves and in their own lives. So it, again, like the Matrix trilogy and this movie too is I think just really really important to have as a piece of trans art in a piece of prominent trans art in media Um, we don't really see a whole lot of um, pieces of art being put out there by trans people that are as well known and as well received as the matrix so again it's just very very important and I'm just so so happy to you know be living in this time where I get to see and experience something that identifies with something so deeply within myself.
1: Awesome. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to make sure we say, but I would love to end the episode on that. I think that's a a great way to sum it up.
0: Yeah. um, Just obviously, you know, it's it's a very important movie. Um, And if if anybody out there wants a little bit more detailed breakdown on some of the trans elements of the movie, um, there is a wonderful YouTuber out there that I go to a lot. Um, His name is Renegade Cut. Um, and he, he does all kinds of breakdowns of movies, media, uh, politics, things like that. He's, he's amazing. I I love his channel so much. Um, but he did a breakdown of the matrix specifically focusing on the trans elements. And it was really, really good and insightful. And it even had some things that I didn't pick up my first go around watching the, watching resurrections. Um, so yeah, if anybody is interested in something a little bit more detailed, I highly, highly recommend Renegade Cut's video on it. Very Very well done.
1: All right. So with that, I
0: think I'm still Lindsay. (laughs) And I'm still Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us this week on Beauties and Headcanons.